Jesus at Blessed City is our pursuit. He's our message. He's our example. What does it mean for him to be our pursuit? We want to be known as a people of his presence. You've been around Blessed City anytime you'll hear us use the word God's presence over and over again. We want to be a place where people go, wow, God's there. Amen? Amen. And we want to live out the message is what? It's a message of reconciliation. Hey, you're disconnected from God. Come back home, right? We want to live that message out. All are welcome. All are needed. All are called home. And lastly, we want to equip people to walk with God. Hearing God's voice is not a mystery. Knowing God is not a mystery. And we as believers are called to make it simple. Jesus, our pursuit, our message. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The title of this morning's message is this. What is the treasure that's in your heart? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word today at Blessed City. I thank you so much for every person listening today. God, we did not come to hear a guy talk. We came to hear from you. God, we did not come to hear some nice songs. We came to encounter you. God, we did not come, God, just to go through the motions of some religious thing. We came to have our hearts set on fire by the living God. God, we're here. And we say like Samuel, speak, God. Your servants are listening. And everyone said, amen. For where we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What's the treasure that's in your heart? What is in your heart? Now, God gives lots of treasures. God lives lots of things. Um, But in this passage, 2 Corinthians, the treasure is the knowledge of Jesus alive and living on the inside. That's much more than an intellectual thing. That's more than just, oh, I believe he's the son of God and I can list off a paragraph of what I know. No, it is a conviction deep down on the inside. He is God. He sits enthroned in heaven. He lives inside of me and I know him. A friend of mine, a guy named Gerard de He's this like 74-year-old revivalist guy from South Africa. He was in Bible school in South Africa. And a friend of his came up to him and said, Gerard, do you have the witness of the spirit that you are saved? And he said, of course, I'm in Bible school. And he said, no, Gerard, do you know that 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 you know him and that you're going to be with him? And he sat there and he went, well, I, I, I don't know. And so then he spent the entire night in prayer and he got out his Bible and he sat there and he wrestled with God talking back and forth and going, I, you know, God, I don't, I don't know if I know you. I, I want to know you. And in the, in the struggle and the turmoil or the wrestling of that night, God, something shifted in his heart and he came to the place that he went, I know that I know that I know him. It's more than a prayer. It's the space of him opening up in our hearts and him, us receiving the Lord, this treasure. 
this treasure in jars of clay. What are the jars? That's you and me, right? These pots, these cracked vessels, these bodies that getting older and changing and whatever, these bodies are like jars of clay, fragile, not necessarily impressive, simple, and guess what? He likes to be there. He likes to dwell on the inside of you and I in these simple pots called bodies. He loves to put his precious, priceless treasure of his spirit inside of us, and he likes to shine through the cracks. Surpassing power. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power. Everyone say power. Yeah, it's power. It's not just talk. It's not just a matter of good thinking. No, the gospel is power. Power that changes. Power that transforms. This power changes our appetites. This power changes our affections. This power changes the trajectory of where we go in life and what we do. So much so there was a gal named Jackie Pollinger. Anyone heard that name before, Jackie Pollinger? Jackie was a 19-year-old in London, England, working, uh, she was a part of a symphony. She was an oboist, didn't believe in God, didn't know anything. And she was a part of with all these Christians, just connecting with different people. And at one point came to a point where she realized, oh my goodness, Jesus is who he says he is. She accepted him as Lord and Savior and leader in her life. And then he put this conviction in her heart. You're supposed to be a missionary. She didn't even know what a missionary was. She's supposed to go. So she, so she calls up people and says, I, I, I guess I'm supposed to be a missionary. And they're like, well, you need to go to school and you need to do this. You need to do this. And she's like, well, that's good. And, and school is good, by the way. School is great. But she's like, no, God told me I'm supposed to go. Well, go where, Jackie? I, I don't know. He told me I'm supposed to go. And so she went and she talked to her vicar. That's, that's a, a pastor in England and her church. And he says, well, what do, I, what do I do? And he said, well, if God told you to go, you should go. So she got a ferry ticket, a boat ticket, and she ended up in Hong Kong, got off the boat, and she knew one person there. I think there was a relative or something. She got connected to this relative, and she ended up going into this area of Hong Kong, um, and it was basically an, a territory that had been under, it was a, a former British fort that became this no man's land where there was no rule of law, no nothing. And it was known for brothels, drug addiction, human trafficking, all that stuff. And this 19 year old Jackie started to live there. Jackie Pollinger is in her sixties and she's still there. There's a plaque in Hong Kong downtown, get this up. And it says this in Chinese, it says this plaque is dedicated to Jackie Pollinger and her team who saw, who saw the drug addicted, those in human trafficking and all this stuff transformed for the glory of God. And that was put up by the Hong Kong government. They saw people in all sorts of heroin addictions and drug addictions and all sorts of stuff transformed as she simply came and prayed and talked and God delivered people. And they're still doing it to this day. Because one 19-year-old girl knew that she knew that she knew this is what God's saying. And she went. Surpassing power. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4.4. And this verse makes me ticked. In their case, this is talking about people that don't know God. 
The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan has blinded the eyes of everybody around us, convincing them that Christ is not the way, that there isn't hope there, that their lives are turned this way. And have you ever talked to someone and they say something like this? Well, your whole God thing, that's good for you. I'm glad you have your truth. I'm glad that you have your way, but that's, that's not really for me. What I would say that is, is the eyes of their heart just haven't been open yet to see who Jesus is. And once you see, it changes everything. And this gospel of the kingdom, man, it needs to become from fuzzy to clear. That God really does transform lives, change things. He really does intercept us in the middle of our pain and heartache. It really does. He really is the way, the truth, and the life. But more than fuzzy to clear, it's got to become clear to real. We need to know him, interact with him, hear his voice. Luke chapter 2 is a really fun story. A lot of you might know this, and I'll just read it. It says, Then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, that is, a bunch of shepherds in a field, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Why? Because the angels told them all about Jesus who would come. And seeing this wonderful thing that had happened, which the Lord had made known to us, so they went in a hurry with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. In other words, he's the Messiah. This is who he is. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And here's the key. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. When some people heard all about who Jesus was, they went, wow, that's amazing. But Mary, what did Mary do? She treasured it. The Hebrew word there is, or the Greek word actually is, sotarel, which means to preserve, protect, defend, clutch closely like a fragile dish or a precious thing, protecting it. She saw all that had happened and she took it in her heart and she treasured it. You ain't going to break this. She held all the promises about Jesus in her heart. She treasured it in her heart. God puts his precious spirit in us. He does amazing things in our heart. He gives us his promises. And they're like a precious, fragile thing. What do you do? What do I do with the treasure that God gives us? Can someone steal it from your heart, from your life? Those around Mary wondered at what happened. They tried to figure it out. What's with all these angels? Maybe those shepherds were hallucinating. I don't know. How does this work? How can this be? Did that really happen? Mary, I don't understand this, but... Behold, I am your servant, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Verse 38. Matthew 13, 12 and 13. This is a really big deal. 
For whoever has, that is spiritual insight, whoever eyes have been opened, more will be given. And who he who has in abundance, but from the one who has not, that is the one that doesn't value, treasure, protect the things of God. Even what he has will be taken away. What I treasure is what I protect. You could have an incredible experience in God. You could have God show you something amazing in his word. You could have parents that prayed all day long. These are all incredible gifts. You could have all sorts of amazing things. But if you don't treasure it, you lose it. But if I treasure it, God promises to give me more. You might look at something and go, I don't even know what half of this thing of this Bible even means. I challenge you, treasure it, even if you don't understand it, just like Mary. And watch as God says, oh, I can trust him with more. It's like singing a worship song. And you're like, there's something about that. I kind of feel God on it. Keep singing the song. God will give you more. It's like reading the Bible and going, I I think I sort of understand this. I'm not sure about that, but I'm going to treasure what God's saying here. And and in that, God's like, oh, you're you're valuing what I'm valuing. I'm going to give you more. To one that treasures, they receive more. You and I are just like pots. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 5 says this whole, says this. And actually, you don't need to show it on the screen. I'll just, I'll just say it. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Get up. Go down to the potter's house. And there, I'm going to let you, I'm going to speak my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making, that is the pot of clay, was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it was seemed good to the potter to do so. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. You're on the potter's wheel and you might be like, yeah, I'm a cracked pot. There's a hole in my side. There's... I didn't make some decisions that I should have done. I, I did this, and there's, there's marring, and there's warping, and there's things that are off. God looks at us on the wheel, and he goes, I can work with that. And there's three steps, and I'm sure there's more. If anybody knows pottery, come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to learn from you. But there's three steps that I know of when it comes to pottery, and one of that is the water and the molding. And so you would take this clay, and you mush it together, and you smush it, and you get all the air bubbles out. You make it into a big mound and you get it and you're pushing it and you're massaging it. And God does that with you and I. He takes the water of his word and his presence and he washes us in his love and he pours out his word on us and it massages our heart. And it gets us moving and it makes us flexible and we get healed up in spaces of his presence and we're getting molded and shaped and all this stuff. And then once all the air bubbles are out, they puts you and he slops it on the wheel. And then he starts molding it. And that, what do you call that? Pressure. And that's where things get pushed out and moved up and moved in. And it's not necessarily fun. 
Now, the water is a lot like God's promises, God's word. That's him, and he's touching our thinking. He's validating that he's accepted us. He's working in our lives. The pressure is often through his word, his spirit, and the leaders that God brings into our lives. Sometimes circumstances, too. And a good example of this is in Matthew 5, 27. You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her. Yeah, you read that, you got two choices. I can look at that and go, oh, that's nice. Probably doesn't mean what it sounds like. It probably means this. And I can try to shape the scripture to fit my experience. Or I can say, God, I don't know if I measure up to this experience. Would you shape me by your word? And this is what it means to allow the pressure of God's word and his spirit to impact my life. What about your finances, your, the way you treat people, all the, all the spaces of all the connecting with God? When we allow the God's word to impact us, it applies pressure. And it moves us. And I think one thing God's looking for is people that are willing to be molded by his word, his spirit, and the leaders that he puts in your life. You ever have somebody in your life that tell you something you didn't like? If you got a parent, you definitely did. They said, no, you cannot have 15 pieces of candy. No, you can't stay out till 5 a.m. No, you can't, you know, whatever there is, there is spaces of boundaries and pressure. And God uses his word and his spirit and leaders in our life to do that, to apply pressure. Because God has a plan for you and I. And that's this. He wants to dwell in us richly. He wants to use you for his glory. He wants his surpassing power in you on the inside for you and for the world around you. And so he applies pressure. He molds you. He shifts things. And it's not comfortable. And the last thing, water, pressure, fire. You take a pot. It's all molded. But you know what? It's not ready yet. It's the right shape. It's in the right place. But now it's got to go through the fire. And what is that fire? It's testing. You've said yes to God. You've allowed him to shift you. And now you're going to be brought through spaces where it's going to be tested. Is this actually where you're going to stand? Do I really trust him with my finances? Do I really trust him with my marriage? Do I really trust him in my occupation? If I let this go, do I really believe he is who he says he is? The fire reveals what we trust in. Get this though, fire also hardens the pot. So if I remain unflexible and unmoving and I don't allow the spirit of God's pressure to shift when I walk through that fire, I get hardened in the position I'm already in. God in his grace and his mercy will often come along and say, okay, now let's bring a bunch of water again. We're going to un- we're going to tr- Try to, we're going to reshape you again, do it again. However, there is spaces where the hardness in our heart needs to be hardness, not in our stubbornness, but hardnesses in God is faithful, like we sang. God is trustworthy, and I don't move from that space. I trust him. The water, the pressure, and the fire. Philippians 4.19, this is a place of pressure that God wants to supply in each one of our lives. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. But guess what? He supplies. That means he wants you to trust him. 
A few years ago, my wife and I had a week where um, we had, I hit a, I hit a curb, so our, our rim on our tire broke, and I think we spent like $400 on a tire and a rim. The water heater in our house went out. Um, we had, I think, another couple thousand dollars in expenses that came in for something or other. So it was something like a $5,000 week of expenses. And I'll never forget my wife just going, the water heater just went out, and we're like, she's like, meh. Because it was like, well, one more thing. And we're standing in the kitchen, and I just remember us talking about like, well, God, you promised that you would take care of us. And I want to say in the next couple days or something, something happened, and I forget, I forget the context, but finances came in, things came together. But there was a space where we went, God, this hurts, this is hard. We don't get it. We trust you. Perseverance, the, the fire will reveal what's in our heart. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says this. But it was talking about God has the shaping, but then God wants to fill us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, that is, it touched your heart. The gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? What is that saying? It's saying this, when you believed, you heard God's truth of the gospel, and you were sealed, you said, yes, I believe this. The Holy Spirit comes, and he goes, I want to live in that clay pot. And you know what ends up happening? You get that knowing just like Gerard. I know that I know that I know who he is. And suddenly you have a love for this Jesus that you've never met. You have a heart to worship him like you've never known. All because the Holy Spirit inside of you is communicating to you who he is and you are now connected in relationship with him. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell inside you and I. He is the precious treasure on the inside teaching us all about who God is. When you come, become a, a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in. But Acts 1.8 says... When the Holy Spirit, he wants to also come upon you. There is a Holy, the Holy Spirit comes inside you to show you Jesus, to convict you of things, to, to encourage you, to lead you, to walk with you in relationship with God. But then the Holy Spirit also wants to come upon you. And you know what that's for? Not for you. For everybody else. There is a conviction of God. He wants to drop in your heart and your life because he wants you and the Father to connect and he wants you and Jesus to know each other. There'd be an amazing relationship between you and God every day. And then he wants to bring his precious Holy Spirit upon you so that the world around you would encounter him. Jesus even said this, greater things will you do than what I did. What did Jesus do? Well, he healed the sick, multiplied bread, he cast out devils. He spoke with power. He, he did all sorts of things that transformed the world around him. There was people that encountered the power, the surpassing power of God that was on Jesus' life. And that same power he wants to rest on you and on me. There is a power that he wants to rest within you that you might walk and know him. There is a power he wants to rest on you so that others around him might encounter him. And both of these are treasures. Both of this is treasure. The treasure to say, oh God, your presence in me 
the truth of the gospel. I'm going to treasure this like this, like this porcelain pot. I'm going to, I'm going to value this. I'm not going to take it as a light thing that you died, you were crucified and tortured, and you rose again for me. I'm not going to take this as a light thing. I'm going to treasure this in my heart, and I'm going to want to know you, and I'm going to value it. I'm going to be like Mary. I'm going to ponder this in my heart and say, wow, what is this great salvation? What have you invited me into? And then his presence comes upon us, and I'm going to value that. I'm going to value any space where God uses me to encourage somebody or walk in anything. I say, God, thank you for this, because I want to value every gift that you bring my way. For whoever has, they will receive more. And the one who does not value even what they have will be taken away. Hey, Jules, would you mind tinkling the ivories? Do you have a witness in your heart that you know him? Only you can answer that. Do you have a conviction in your heart? I know that I know that I know. God wants to have that for you and me today. Satan comes and he loves to convince us that we're not connected and we're struggling. And God wants us to know with a confidence today that you are his and he loves you and he's for you. Come on, just close our eyes for a second. I just want to ask that question. Do you know him? Do you know that you know that you know that you're hidden in Christ? He is the way, the truth, and the life that you believed it in your heart and that someday you'll be connected to him. Someday you're going to go home to him. If you're not sure, I challenge you to wrestle. Not physically you and I right now. But I challenge you right now to wrestle that out with God. More than a prayer. More than you just trying to say something. But no, like, do you know him? to grab your Bible and to grab your heart and say, come on, I got to know him. If we could just all say this together, Jesus, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. I want to know God, his power and his work. Jesus, cleanse me of all my sin. I give you all of the things that are important to me. Put pressure where you should. Mold me where I need it. Teach me in the fire. Jesus, I pray that today would be a day of new life for people today. I And I, I just say this, and I'm just going to, on the count of three, if, if you're in this space today and you're like, I need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior and leader of my life today with every eye closed, would you, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. And I believe today might be a day for salvation for somebody. Um, one, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, God, we we see our hands and we um, we lift them to you and we say, okay, God, we we commit that you would be the leader of our life that you would cleanse us of all of our sin and that you um, would teach us what it means to walk with you. Here's the second prayer. Does his spirit rest on you in power? 
He wants to. Can we all just stand on up? If that's your cry, can you just lift your hands to heaven? You want his spirit to rest on you in power? God, we, we want not just for ourselves, but for the world around us, God, that people would encounter the living God. God, we want our coworkers and our family to have your word impact them, that the sick would be healed, God, the tormented would find peace. God, where there is a need, God, we want to fill it. We say, Spirit of God, use us like clay pots. Fill us up and empty us out and then fill us up again and then empty us out. God, we pray over our family and our neighborhoods and our city. We say, God, would you fill us up and empty us out? Would you pour out on those around us? God, we say we are available. Have your way in and through us. We pray over every neighbor, every family member, everyone around us. God, we just, God, if there's stuff in our pots that needs to come out, we want to dump it out. And we just say, God, we pray, fill us with your spirit, with your love, with your power, that the world might know and see you are God. And everyone said, amen. Hey, can we put our benediction up on the screen? Um, if you prayed that prayer and I, and I saw some hands go up, I'd love to talk with you after the service. Um, because it's more than a prayer. It's a change of life, right? I want to talk to you after the service. Also, um, Jason, could you have those invite cards at the back as you just walk out? We have Alpha coming up. Alpha is the most amazing opportunity. If you never, if you're curious about God, you have friends that are curious about God, it's the safest, most beautiful space. It's a meal, it's conversation, and a short video who is Christ? How do I get to know God? It's amazing. Um, bring a friend and I talk to Jason afterwards. But let's just pray this together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, we thank you for this day. Have your way in us. Love it, Lord. Amen.